Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Hello from the Crop Doctors Podcast Studio in Stoneville. Tom and I are here this afternoon with a repeat guest, Miss Mary Nelson Robertson. Uh, Mary Nelson's been on with us a couple of times now. She was a platinum sponsor for the Row Crop Short Course, so we did a kind of a brief interview with her back in the wintertime, highlighting some of the programs that she works in with Mississippi State. And then we did a, a YAG episode with her and, and got to find out kind of who she is and where she came from and, and where she got or how she got to where she is today. So, Mary Nelson, welcome back. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, I was going to say, another one of those kids that thought that they were going to get out of here and, and ended up coming back, which is a good thing. Absolutely. That's how we keep this part of the country revitalized. So Mary Nelson has a very important job at Mississippi State, and, and I find it to be a very fascinating area that you work in, so I want to allow maximum time for that but Mary Nelson you you told us on the previous episodes that you were on with us that you know you don't live in the Delta currently but you're from the Delta you love the Delta so what is the best place to eat in the Delta oh that's a hard question probably I don't ask easy questions probably does or I have to say pea soups in Indianola but does steakhouse you can't beat that but those are different. There's no competition between pea soups and those. Exactly. I go to pea soups every time I'm home. It's kind of an Indianola. That's a, that's a landmark for yes. Indianola, for sure. Tom, you care to weigh in? I, I've only eaten there once at pea soups. I, I do love those, and I'm not a giant fan of steakhouses. I think a lot of times lots of steakhouses are pretty overrated. But Doe's is not overrated at all. It's one of my favorite places to eat when I get the opportunity to go there. Well, they use butter and butters. Butter's like one of my favorite things. Uh, Jason is aware of that. (laughs) When they put down the dish of butter, I usually grab it at the restaurant wherever we're at, and everybody else has to fend for themselves. They need to find their own butter. Tom's got his. Tom puts it on his cereal in the morning. Shh, stop it. I put it in my coffee. I I don't. I don't do the bulletproof coffee or whatever that is. I'm favorites. Um. Meat Market, Ooh, yeah. um, Bar Fontaine, two of my favorites right now in Cleveland. But I do like the, the reintroduction of some interesting food in this part of the country. I think it's pretty pretty cool, pretty impressive. I'm not going to throw anything out there because there's a lot of good stuff to be had. And there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, within you know driving distance of right here where we're sitting, and if you're from Clarksdale, you get a whole different experience in a – halo around Clarksdale that that you can get to so it's just really just depends on where you are a lot of good culinary experiences to be had too many to count I could go with those yeah those is solid (laughs) that's where I always take my friends who aren't from Mississippi I take them straight to those well I know that's the atmosphere and the experience to to go along with that but then the food is exceptional do you tell them to close their eyes when they come through the kitchen they're not really set for that Oh, no, I want them to get the full experience. If I took my mother there, I'd have to put blinders on her. She'd lose her mind walking through that place. I always like when you go in the wintertime and the contrast. You walk through the kitchen and then the the screen door opens and and the blast of cold air. It's just like a a humongous, an inflated difference between the hot and cold. 
Mary Nelson, we've touched briefly on some of the things that you do, and I really want you to tell the listeners what your main role is at, at Mississippi State and how that really fits in production agriculture today. I would say that I wear several different hats working for Extension Service, but what I do is I write grants and then I also manage the grants that I write if they're awarded. And so right now I'm working on six grant-funded projects, and they're all focused on farm stress. And so they're all related to agriculture in some form or fashion. I develop programs for those grants. I evaluate them. I also get to do hands-on formative needs assessments. So I get to do focus groups with farmers and even our extension agents as well. I've done several focus groups with them and really getting to be out in the community. And then what does that look like? So if, if you go into a county office and you're doing a focus group with farmers, what's that interaction like? Since I grew up in the Delta, I had to sit out on a few of the focus groups because I knew the participants. But um, we did one in Clarksdale, for example, and we had several farmers come in. We served them breakfast and hot coffee and asked them a lot of questions around just the current situation of farming and also whether or not they perceive opioid misuse to be prevalent among the farming community and then also what they think are the biggest stressors when it comes to farming. And what do they typically say are some of those stressors that are some of the bigger issues now? Definitely the markets and financial stress would definitely be a huge one. And then um, all the farmers mentioned labor shortages, and it's hard to find labor. Um, That was a big part of it. And then also the weather. The weather has been wild. And and I think that that's the stress issue, and that's something we clearly, and we, I say we the collective, we probably don't talk enough about that type of situation and who those people can really interact with or call somebody on the phone and have a conversation with them about what pressures they're feeling at home. And that's something I think we all, depending upon how much time you spend on Twitter, that is a, a pretty common thread amongst uh, some of the Twitter users. You see the one, you know, please take the time to copy and paste this for somebody who might see this tweet and give them that number for stress relief or suicide prevention. And the one that you mentioned that, I don't even think it's talked about enough on the news and depending upon what part of the country you're from is the whole opioid issue in this country. Tell us how big of an issue in Mississippi without relieving or giving us two information. How big of an issue is that in the farming community in Mississippi? It's definitely prevalent in the farming community in Mississippi, but it's definitely something that people don't like to talk about. And so that's one thing that we're trying to do is encourage people to talk more about it because it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to seek help. But I don't have exact statistics around opioid misuse in Mississippi specifically. We actually just administered a survey, so hopefully we can share some more state-level data. But nationally, three out of four farmers or farm workers report being directly affected by the opioid crisis. So that means that the farmer themselves or their immediate family member has struggled with addiction, three out of four nationally. 
and Mississippi definitely is not untouched. And y'all know we've, we're finally coming out of the pandemic, and Mississippi was actually seeing really good reduces in opioid misuse, opioid deaths, opioid-related deaths back in 2019, and now our numbers are higher than they were in 2015. And so the pandemic has caused the opioid epidemic to come back even stronger than it was before the pandemic. The number that you gave, Mary Nelson, the three out of four in agriculture, how does that relate to the rest of the population? What's the average just for general population, Do you, if, if that number is even available? I actually don't know that. Okay. We've had the luxury of having this conversation with you before yeah. a little bit. So that's not, that's not something that today I think that number is really an, a, a staggering number. But I think when you said that in December – and we had that conversation at, at Rope Up Short Course. <laughs> I think Tom and I were both struck speechless, and that episode was probably shorter than it could have been or should have been because I don't think he and I even knew how to respond to no, that No, because I think somebody throws a statistic out like that, and, and I usually do a good job of trying to get my mind to wrap around the numbers. And I'm aware that pre- presentation of numbers sometimes there are better ways to do that. Exactly. And when you say three out of four, that's a lot. That's a whole lot. That's 75%. So if you know 100 people, 75 of those people could potentially have a substance misuse issue. Or someone in their immediate family. So their spouse or their child. And, and that's, that's a staggering number to think about. And that's one of those things that I don't say this very often. I say these types of things regularly at home. But how well do you know the people that you're friends with? And how often do you feel comfortable having those types of conversations with someone? Because I think those of us that attend church, I think sometimes the person that's your pastor or someone who's the religious head of that church, for lack of a better term, how well they know you sometimes, because that is a good person sometimes to seek and sit and have counseling with about those types of issues. Are there other people to have those conversations with, or do you talk about that in any of the, the outlets that you do through the extension service? Definitely. Your pastor or minister is a great resource um, for talking and in confidentiality too. And then don't be afraid to go to a licensed professional counselor or a therapist. And also even your primary care physician can have a conversation with you around that. And if you don't feel comfortable going to them, don't be scared to share it with a friend so they know that you're going through something and they can try to help you the best that they can. And another thing that we do, so Mississippi is under a very severe shortage of mental health care providers. Really the whole nation is, but Mississippi specifically because we're predominantly a rural state, we're have it, we're experiencing a really severe shortage of mental health care providers. And so part of our grant, what we do is we're increasing the number of mental health gatekeepers in Mississippi, which is essentially basically someone who can notice the signs and symptoms and connect people to appropriate professional help when needed or provide them with some self-help and other support strategies. Because 
not everyone needs a to go to a professional, but in certain situations, you definitely do. I personally think everyone needs a therapist every once in a while. So we're doing mental health first aid, and it's a nationally, it's international curriculum. And we teach people to be expert noticers, essentially, and then serve as that bridge to care. And we can't all be licensed counselors, but we can learn those signs and symptoms and do something about it and know what resources are available in our community. Any specific signs or symptoms that you can relay on this podcast for somebody to really be aware of in some of those situations? So signs and symptoms that you definitely want to look out for um, in regards to mental health challenges and substance misuse challenges would definitely be withdrawal. So if you notice that someone you're close to is no longer hanging out with their friends or getting out of the house, that's a really big warning sign. And you really want to try to get them out of the house, even if that's just going on a walk around the neighborhood or going to see a movie where they don't have to necessarily talk, but you are getting them out of the house. That's very helpful if their pupils are dilated. If you notice that a lot or they're kind of lethargic, you definitely, that should be a red flag for sure. And um, also if they start talking about their possessions, things that they care about, and they may start giving away those possessions, that's a big red flag. Or just talking about death in general, that's a red flag for suicide as well. And if they're not taking care of themselves like they should be, so if you notice they aren't showering as much or getting a haircut or they're not changing out of their pajamas, that's a big red flag as well. So you're involved in these different grant projects, Mary Nelson, and then you mentioned your focus groups and collecting information. What's the next step with that information? What What's the outlet for the information that you're collecting in your work? Initially, we wanted to see if farmers perceived that to be a need or not, and they do perceive that farm stress is a big topic. And a lot of people outside of the ag community when you think of a farmer, you think of someone who never is stressed out and they're really, you know, strong people. And farmers are really strong. They're extremely resilient too, but we need to raise awareness about that, that farmers are humans just like us and they experience stress too. And so awareness is a really big part of it. And then also educating people who work with farmers, so other ag-related professionals, how to interact in those situations, how healthcare providers should talk to farmers and their families. For example, a farmer, if you see that they're experiencing financial stress, you should never suggest that they sell their land. The land is the ultimate loss to a farmer. Farmers are deeply connected to the land. And so that's definitely not a good way to start off a conversation with a farmer by saying, oh, well, you should just sell your land and you'll be good to go. Um, Selling their land is much more than just being good to go. And we also are, we have a really cool film series that'll launch hopefully this summer. And it follows the story of four farmers. Um, Three are in Mississippi and one is in Alabama. And so we're hoping that that raises a lot of awareness around what farmers go through and how resilient farmers are, because farmers are probably some of the most resilient people you'll ever meet, as are their families. And so the Farm Stress Film Series is called On the Farm, 
and it follows one farmer who is in recovery from opioid misuse, and it shares how the farm helped him, you know, get back into a life in recovery. And then we have a farmer who had to transition from dairy to beef cattle, and that was a really hard transition because his family had been farming dairy for over seven generations, and so making that transition was really tough. Um, Also, farming is really a dangerous occupation, and a lot of people don't realize that. Farm accidents happen all the time, especially this time of year in the Mississippi Delta when the equipment's back on the road. There's all sorts of farm accidents. So we have a farmer who was in a farm accident and no longer can walk. And so he can't actually be on the farm helping his brother and father. Can't go into the field like he once could. And then we also have a farmer that just covers the everyday stressors of farmers for both small and large operations. Um, They're all experiencing the same types of stress. Comfort is obviously one of those things I think we've probably already touched on. And and that, but I think is, is something that when we do a county meeting, I think a lot of times it's hard sometimes to get farmers that want to either ask questions or answer questions. And how do you see that interaction when you get out there and you do that? Do you still, do you still see instances of that where it's difficult to get that message across? Do they feel a little bit more receptive to your information when you talk about the fact that you're aware that those issues are out there? It was really hard to get the farmers to come to focus groups talking about stress. I'm not going to lie. We sent out lots of letters and made lots of personal phone calls. And the phone calls ended up being the best way, which is not surprising. Farmers like that one-on-one connection. And so that was the best way to get them there. And I love seeing their faces change after a presentation because when you first hear about the topic... They're not very interested, and then by the end of the presentation, they've connected to that presentation in some way, and they see themselves as experiencing that, and their you know, perceptions of farm stress shift, um, and so it's really cool to watch their facial expressions change from when they get there to when they leave, um, and they'll come up afterwards and share a story because... Everyone has some type of story related to stress or substance misuse. And how about information online? Is there some place people can go if they don't feel comfortable getting together with a group of people and and not wanting to be pointed out maybe as somebody who has an issue? Is there somewhere that they can go for that type of information or someone they can call to get some of that information? Yes. So the Mississippi Department of Mental Health, their helpline is a really great resource because when you call it, you can tell them what's going on and they can connect you to a professional who takes your insurance or if you don't want to use your insurance, doesn't for any type of issue related to that. And in July, all of the helplines are actually combining to 988. And so you'll just have to call that kind of like you're calling 911. You'll call 988. And so right now there's so many numbers available for calling when experiencing, you know, a mental health crisis or challenge. And so I definitely think that. And then also you can text 741741, and you can have a conversation over text with someone, and it will be anonymous. 
So that's a big resource as well. And then we have the resources listed on the extension page as well, which is for the Promise Initiative. Mary Nelson, as we've been sitting here talking, one thing I was thinking about is 2022 and the difference in 2022 related to agriculture is some of the other years in recent memory. Tom and, I, Tom and I have had a number of folks in. We've talked about supply chain, even going back into last year about budgets. And it's just a, a different year. Our commodity prices have been really strong, but then all of our input prices are record highs. In your program, has that been reflected in any of the things that y'all have done? I mean, have y'all encountered that or is it something that you will encounter maybe later in the year or next year? So 2022 is definitely a very unique year. We've just experienced the COVID-19 pandemic over the last two years where that did impact our supply and demand and also impacted um, some employees not wanting to work. But now 2022, it's an even bigger issue. And so even just people don't realize the inputs that go into farming. From an outsider, you don't realize how much they're actually having to put in. Um, an outsider may see the commodity prices and think, man, the farmers are going to have the best year of their life. But they don't realize that they've got to put gas in their tractors and gas in their trucks. And they may not be able to access certain chemicals or seeds that they need to thrive. And so our farmers are under a really great deal of stress and that's out of their control. We can't control the markets, unfortunately, and we can't control, you know, if the supply and demand issue, we can't really control that considering what all is going on in the world right now. And so it's something that we definitely need to think about and acknowledge and we have several ag economists on our team. And so that's something that we're currently doing is they're available to talk with farmers if they need to. Um, and they can look through their budgets and talk through um, budgets with them because the input costs are greater than the output pretty much. And so that's what we're doing. And then we're also just doing some simple financial management type of things with the f- farmers that they can attend or our extension agents can provide with to the farmers just around simple things such as cash flow statements and um, balance sheets things like that and then also farming in turbulent times that's a big thing and this is a turbulent time for sure and so um, we have a specific resource around farming during turbulent times that um, Dr. Jeff Johnson, before he retired, helped create with Dr. Brian Mills um, at the Delta Research Extension Center. And that's been a really good resource. So the one thing we've, we've loosely talked about uh, is feeling there's no way out. Yeah. And, and the whole thought regarding suicide. How does suicide rank in the farming community as compared to other professions within this country? Suicide is very prevalent among our farming community, among all the industries and occupations in the United States. Farming has the fourth highest rates of deaths by suicide. They rank number four of all the industries and occupations in having the most deaths by suicide. And that's something that people are scared to talk about 
but we know that it's actually better to ask the question. Don't be afraid to ask someone directly if they're thinking about killing themselves or thinking about suicide. And you want to be direct because hurting yourself is different than killing yourself. And um, you want, I, I want the farmers to know that they're not alone. And so anyone is not alone. So we definitely want to get that message out there and that there is hope. Um, there is a way out, and you can overcome the challenges, even if you're, you know, drowning in them. You can overcome them. And so I want people to know that there's another way out than killing themselves. Mary Nelson, it's such a unique program that you're involved with, so different than what Tom and I do, the part of agriculture that we're involved in. Is this program unique to Mississippi State? What other states have programs similar to what you're involved with? Over the past two years, the United States Department of Ag has started allocating a lot of funding towards this particular topic. Mississippi State was one of the first universities to actually start talking about farm stress and creating resources and putting funding towards farm stress. Um, For example, our administrator for extension, our director of extension, he mandated that all extension agents be trained in mental health first aid so they can be equipped to notice the signs and symptoms of a mental health challenge and serve as that bridge to care. Um, Our extension agents aren't meant to be licensed counselors, but they can notice the signs and symptoms and serve as that bridge to care. And then um, another state that started doing a lot of farm stress work was Michigan State. Um, And so Michigan State and Mississippi State were definitely leading the efforts in farm stress. And then the Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network, there's four different regions in the United States, and Mississippi State is part of the Southern Region's Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. We're currently working on a helpline specifically for agricultural producers, Um, so the individual on the other end of the phone will know how to talk with a farmer and then we're also doing some more videos we'll have some farmer testimonies because in our focus groups we found that farmers want to hear from other farmers and so we're really trying to get other farmers stories out there each state is kind of doing something unique but Mississippi State is doing a lot around this topic and I'm really proud of Mississippi State and especially Mississippi State Extension Service, for taking this topic so seriously. Mary Nelson, thank you. I think that's fantastic information, and it's certainly something that I think we probably do not spend near enough time talking about or even discussing amongst ourselves. And that's something I think that is so extremely important for the community and agriculture because it it is a family And it is a huge family that I think sometimes needs to consider itself more so as a family and do more to help one another because the network that we all have together, whether we work together across different disciplines or even within this single university, I think sometimes we need to be doing a much better job of talking about that. The people don't need to be shy and need to be willing to talk about those issues and concerns and know that they can pick up the phone and call just about anyone. Yeah. And then don't be shy about saying something because the worst question is to never ask one. Exactly. But we really appreciate you coming over here and sitting down with us. I feel really thankful that we ran across you when we did in December. We really appreciate that. 
and thank you so much. Well, thank you all so much for having me. And I just want everyone to know that it's okay to not be okay. The Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. Extension.